0: hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Well, good morning, Vibrant, how we doing? Man, it is so good to be here, and if you're in the house, I just wanna say welcome in. Can we give it up for all of our guests that are in this place today? And then also, any of those of you watching online, we just want to welcome you in. And uh, I was speaking with your pastor earlier this week, Pastor Michael, who is probably my best friend in the entire world, and we like to joke, we like to cut up and give each other a hard time, and he said, man, I'm so glad you're going to be here, I'm excited about it, and I know you're going to kill it. And I just said, tongue in cheek, well, uh, you know, as you're watching, I'll blow you a kiss. And he said, no, you won't. And I said, yes, I will. So, y'all ready for it? (laughs) Pastor Michael, this is for you. So, (laughs) oh man. Y'all like to have fun in church? You like to have a good time? Well, uh, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Pastor Sean, my wife Theresa and I, and our boys Noah, who's on the front row, and Nathaniel, who's in Kids, uh, we helped launch Vibrant, and uh, we were here for a season, and we loved it. We loved every bit of it, love each and every one of you. We are now on staff at a church in Lumberton, Texas, pastoring there, and uh, we love it, and we love what we're doing, but we miss you guys very deeply, and uh, so glad to be here today, and I honor your pastors, Pastor Michael and Carmen Scobie. I honor this team. They are incredible people, and you have an incredible place here. If you love your pastors and you love Vibrant, can you make some noise for them? Well, we are in a series called Clean Slate, and uh, today I want to take your attention to a story in the Old Testament. It's just a few books in in the Bible, and it's Ruth chapter 1, and so if you want to turn there, if you have a Bible with you, if you have your phone, and when you get there, say, I'm ready, say, amen, say, hallelujah, say something, Ruth chapter 1 verses 1 and verses 3 through 5 and I want to tell you this if if you've ever felt like your life is falling apart or you wonder where God is and you're confused you're empty you're hurt you're broken in any area of your life I believe today's message is going to speak to you and so let's go to Ruth chapter 1 Verses one and three through five, they've got it on the screen. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while. And uh, a while is used very loosely in in this text. Anybody say the other day, and the other day could be yesterday, or it could be five years ago. (laughs) That's kind of how the Bible's using this right here. They lived in the country of Moab for a while. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They, named, they married Moabite women, one named Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah, and the other Ruth. And after they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons. And her husband. And I want to pause just for a moment here and kind of give you some context of what's going on, what's taking place here in the Bible. The book before Ruth is Judges. And in Judges, there's a statement that is made over and over and over again. If you read it, it says, In those days, there was no king in Israel. And so the judges ruled, and they ruled for a time of about 350 years. And it was chaos, y'all. It was messed up. It was disorder. There was issues. And Elimelech and Naomi were married, and uh, they had two sons, and this massive famine hits their homeland because people haven't been running the country right. People haven't been doing things right. There's issues, and they say, okay, we we can't stay here. We got to go somewhere else. And so we don't know that the Bible doesn't tell us Whether Elimelech or Naomi or their sons said, hey, we got to go. But somebody decided we're leaving where we're at and we're going to go somewhere else. Um, But the choice they made wasn't the greatest choice. So they leave Bethlehem and they go to a place called Moab. And Naomi's life literally falls apart. Like literally... Her husband dies as soon as she gets there, and you would think, okay, she's all right, she's got her sons, but then not one of her sons die, but both of her sons die, and she only has a few options. Uh, It's not like today if that were to happen to one of you ladies in the house, and Maybe you could start a business or you could go back to school or you could get a job or you could uh, start a TikTok account and become a social media influencer or something. Like those options weren't available to her. She had three options. Look at your neighbor and say she had three. And those three options were not good. They weren't good options. She could become a slave She could sell her body as a prostitute, not good. Or she could be a beggar in a foreign country. None of those options are good. So she goes to her daughter-in-laws and she says this, There's no reason for you to stay with me anymore. Go back to your homeland and I will go back to mine. She she said it this way, uh, uh, like a dog that would run up on your lawn here in the south and an old person would go, go on now you get, <laughs> you know. That, that's kind of what she's saying to her daughters. Go back where you came from. I don't want you around here. I have all this bitterness and this hurt. Get out of my life. You're just a reminder of that. And we see this incredible thing that takes place in Ruth 1 and verse 16 and this verse is shared in movies, it's shared in romantic novels, it's shared at weddings, but it really doesn't fit that accordingly because it's not a woman to a man sharing this incredible message, it's a daughter-in-law to a mother-in-law. And this is what Ruth, Ruth does in Ruth 1 and 16. She replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And she even goes on further to say, where you are buried, I will be buried. This is a very powerful statement from Ruth to Naomi. And then we jump a few verses later and this is what happens. So they decide, okay, we're leaving Moab. It hasn't worked out here. We've been here a while and things have not gone well. In Ruth 1 and 19, we see this. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred They were talking, y'all. It was the the talk of the town. It was the hot gossip. It says, they were stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, can this be Naomi? And I said it like that, but that's not really how it was. You ever went to high school with somebody? And like in high school, they were popular. They were athletic. They were pretty. They had it going on. And like maybe you see them somewhere in town and you're like, ooh, is that them? Like, oh, they do not look good. That's kind of what's going on here with these women. They're going, ooh, is that Naomi? She don't, she don't look too, uh. like she looked like she'd been doing meth and eating McDonald's. Like, it's just, you, you ever seen somebody like that after you went to high school and they looked incredible in high school and now they look tore up from the floor up. They look rough. You know, that's, that's what these women are doing with Naomi. So how would you like to come back to your hometown? And the people are like, oh, girl, you look bad. <laughs> it wasn't like a, "Ooh, girl, you look good. It was a, Ooh, girl, you look bad, you know. And that's what's going on here. And Naomi responds this way. She says, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant or sweet. She told them, call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. And then she says this, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Would you bow your head with me? I want to pray and just ask that God would have his way in this message today. Lord, I thank you for what you've given me. I'm asking you to help me to say it in a way that you would want me to. That blesses somebody today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. So this message today is for anyone that maybe you started out full in a situation in your life. But now you feel empty. You feel confused. You're angry. And maybe you're even bitter. And maybe you're bitter at God. The title for today's message is this, and if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write it down. It's When God Doesn't Make Sense. When God Doesn't Make Sense. I, this wasn't in my notes, but as I was reviewing it last night, it, it kind of just popped to my mind. I feel like God impressed me upon this. She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made me very bitter. I think in our society, we have a real problem with calling ourselves things that God has never called us. We have a real problem when we lay down our head on the pillow at night and we say, Man, I screwed up today. Man, I messed it up today. Man, I was a failure today. Man, I can't get it right. Man, I did this. Man, I did that. And God is not calling you those things that you're calling yourself. I want somebody to hear that today. God is not calling you what you're calling yourself. Don't rename yourself when God hasn't renamed you. I want you to take that today, somebody, that you're beating yourself up and you're talking trash about yourself and you wonder why there is no treasure in your life. Quit speaking garbage on yourself and start heaping the praises of the Lord on your life, in your mind, in your heart, in your marriage, in your finances, in your, in your relationships, in everything that you touch. Stop calling yourself something that God is not even calling you. She says, call me Mara. I'm bitter. I went away full. I came back empty, empty. Maybe you dreamt of a life full of relational blessings, but you didn't just break up, you're broken. People didn't just let you down, they left you needing. Maybe you had a life that was full of meaning and impact, and now you have a life full of pain and loss. And you're saying, God, I put my trust in you. I prayed. I read the Bible. I came to church. I came to Vibrant. I got in a life group. I did this. I I did that. I did all the things, God. I did all the things. I did what I was supposed to do. I trusted you. I followed you. And this is what I've got, God? I was full, but now I'm empty. I don't know, does anybody relate to that? You've been in a season like that in your life before. You were full and it just didn't work out. There's two big ideas that I wanna take out in this story and I wanna, I wanna just convey to you today. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, the first big idea that I want to give to you today is the wrong direction always leads to the wrong destination. And I know that's very simple. I know that's not complex or deep, but I want you to understand this. Adina and Roderick, if, if I was trying to get to you today and I turned my back and I started walking this way, it's, it's going to be really hard for me to get to you guys because my back is turned away from you. But I, I wanna be where you are. I wanna be with you, but I'm, I'm going the wrong direction. And there's times in life we wanna be close to God. We wanna be near to God. We wanna have the things of God. We wanna experience the goodness of God, but life can cause us to turn our back on him. And if, I, if I'm going the wrong direction, Direction. I'm never going to get to where I need to be in Christ. And it's usually not accurate to put never or always in statements, but this always is always. If I'm not pointed towards the things of God, if I'm not pointed in the direction of God, if my heart is not postured and my attitude and my mind and my life is not directed to God, I will never get to him and it's it's really hard to describe how bad moab was she left bethlehem and she goes to moab how evil and wicked it was god had called it a lot of things he could he could have called it like the armpit of the middle east he could have called it a pit stop he uh think of that town that you don't like going through he could have called it that you know, maybe a place that you just really don't want to go. Um, he could have called it that, but he didn't call it any of those things. In Psalm 60 and 8, God says this about it. He says, Moab is my wash basin, or translated, it's dirty feet. Because you see, in, in those times, people didn't have the the nicest and newest J's. They didn't have Air Forces or, you know, they didn't have Yeezys. They didn't have the the nicest dress shoe from that place that you're thinking about that are super expensive. They did not have those things. They had sandals or they didn't have nothing. And they were walking through everything the world had to offer. Yes, that stuff too. They were walking through it all. And when they would get to someone's home, There would be a wash basin, and they would wash their feet before they went into someone's home. And this is what God calls Moab. He calls that that. He calls it a wash basin. He calls it dirty feet. And to give you even more context, Moabites worshipped a god, a false god, by the name of Chemosh, whose name means destroyer. Anybody know what Bethlehem means? It means house of bread. And they left during a famine and they go to a place that means destroyer, wash basin. It's all about where your life is pointed, where your life is directed. It matters so much. Naomi left this place and she went somewhere she wasn't supposed to go. And I want you to catch this. Sometimes it's not just where is your direction pointed? Maybe it can just be a little bit off, just a little bit off. There's a book called Atomic Habits and it's by James Clear. And he uses this powerful illustration on how a small change can make a huge difference. And they've got an illustration that I'd like them to put on the screen. And I just want to walk this out for you. He says, if you were flying from Los Angeles to New York City, and as the plane was taking off, the pilot were just to shift the nose of the plane three and a half degrees. Doesn't seem like too much, right? Not a big deal. Three and a half degrees, not gonna gonna affect anything. Over the course of the entire United States, from the West Coast to the East Coast, if he just changed the nose of the plane three and a half degrees, you would now end up in New York City instead of Washington, D.C., some four hours away and almost 250 miles southeast. I want to ask you this. What's a small way that you've walked away from God? Because you're sitting here saying, well, Pastor Sean, I'm in church today, I'm here, I'm I'm doing the things. Yes, you are, but what are you doing outside of Sunday service? What are you doing on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday where, I made this example, if I wanted to get to Adina and Roderick a minute ago, I need to walk this way. And if, if I turn my back, I can't get to them but guess what, if I, I shift three and a half degrees and I go this way, I, I'm not gonna get to them either. It's not just is my heart and my attitude and my mind and my direction pointed at God, but is there little things, are there little compromises that I've made in my life that's taking me away from God? Because Naomi, Elimelech, their sons, they, they made a decision to go somewhere else that took them away from God. It took them away from the place that God intended them to be. The second thing that I wanna share with you today is this. It's the second point. A distorted view of God always leads to a distorted view of life. Anytime we don't see God as who he is, We start to wrongly interpret what's going on around me. If something happens, if something stings me, if something frustrates me, if something upsets me, if something lets me down, it's not life. It's now God that did that. You see that? You see how that can creep in? The enemy can can come in and get a foothold in your mind and your heart. That's how offense happens. That's why everybody is offended at everything, because they've pointed themselves away from God and to other stuff, and if any little thing happens, well, God must have done it. It's not what happened around me. It's not the world. It's not society. It's not the day and age we live in. It's God. You see how that's so dangerous and so consuming Naomi blamed God when she stayed in Moab for a decade. She was there for 10 years. It started to change how she saw God. She said, God made my life bitter. God let me down. God didn't do what he was supposed to do. And I feel like this is a more accurate representation of one of the Ten Commandments where it says, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Because I'm sure the Lord was saying, man, I didn't leave Bethlehem. I didn't go there. I didn't go to a place where they worship somebody called Chemosh, who's destroyer. I didn't leave the place where I had you. I, you did that. How are you putting that on me? That's taking the Lord's name in vain putting the responsibility of God for things that have happened when it's really things that I've done, choices I've made, I've turned from God, or or I'm slightly off course and I'm not pointed to him. And I get it. I get it. I, I really do. There's been times where I have been bitter in my life and I've been broken and God has not made sense to me. Man, there was about a like 10-year stretch where God didn't make sense to me. Just everything that happened, everything that took place. And I want to tell you, when God doesn't make sense, that's when you need to trust him the most. Is Because when you trust him, when he doesn't make sense, he always... I said it's not usually accurate to use always or never in statements, but when you trust him, when it doesn't make sense, mark my words. He always comes through. He is always faithful. He always does what he says he's gonna do. Now, Naomi made two mistakes. She left Bethlehem and she blamed God. But she did do one thing right. Look at your neighbor and say, she did one thing right. She did one thing right. You see, she called God by a very specific name. When she said, God made me bitter. What you call God reflects how well you know God. If you call him the big guy in the sky or the man upstairs, I'd be willing to bet you probably don't know him that well. But if you call him things like this, Savior, Redeemer, Rock, Shield, Comforter, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace my righteousness, my friend, I'd be willing to bet that you know him on a deeper level. What you call him reflects how well you know him. And in Ruth 1 and 20, she says this, call me Mara because the Almighty, I want you to say that, Almighty. The Almighty has made my life very bitter. Now I am no scholar. Um, I'm I'm pretty dumb, and without God's help, I would be a lot dumber. Um, so, just full disclosure today. Um, but I looked up and I was doing some research on what the Hebrew name for God Almighty is, and it's translated into El Shaddai. Shaddai means this. It means that God is ample. He's adequate, and I want you to say this last that last word with He is enough. He's enough. He's enough when I am full, and He's enough when I'm empty, and He's enough when I'm somewhere in between. He is enough. A very literal way to say it is this. And I love this so much. Translated into English out of Shaddai, a very literal way is to say God is exactly what you need when you need Him. He's exactly what you need, married couple. He's exactly what you need, single person. He's exactly what you need, grandma or grandpa. He's exactly what you need, student. He's exactly what you need wherever you're at in life today. If you believe that, can you clap your hands? Can you praise God? He's exactly what you need. So now while Naomi is calling herself bitter and Blaming God and probably questioning her life choices, she did attempt to create a better life for Ruth. And this is where the story really gets good. And and you see the comparison and the contrast between Naomi and Ruth. And the book is named after her, so she, she had to do something pretty noteworthy. And so now we're gonna see this transition. Ruth waited patiently where Naomi left when it got tough. Ruth trusted God when Naomi didn't. Ruth didn't settle when Naomi tried to figure it out on her own way. Ruth stayed faithful and she meets a man named Boaz. Now, I'm I'm just gonna let you know, really corny pastor joke incoming, all right? Just buckle your seats, all right? So Boaz was a handsome man. This is all in the Bible. He was a rich man. He was a godly man. And ladies, if you find that combi- combination, it equals a husband, all right? So, <laughs> all right? So I told you, really corny pastor joke coming in. So, but I just want to drop that on you for any of you single ladies in the house. But... Naomi is trying to help Ruth. They're now in Bethlehem. They're not in Moab anymore. Ruth is a Moabite. And again, to understand some more context, Ruth doesn't know the customs and the cultures and and the way of life. Just like it's a little bit different if you're in New York City or you're in Houston. They're still in the U.S. They're still relatively close to one another in, in the shape of the world, but they're different. It's very different from New York to Houston. And so Naomi is trying to explain to Ruth, okay, if you want to let Boaz know that you are ready for marriage or you're interested in him, this is what you need to do. And, and she's coaching her up in the scriptures. And this is what we see in Ruth 3 and 16. And y'all, it is so cool. You got you to catch this. Naomi makes this statement. This is not me. This is in the Bible. Naomi says, I went away full and I came back what? empty. And then this is what Boaz does through Ruth. When you are faithful, it doesn't just affect you. It affects people around you. Look at this. It's so cool. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law. What? Empty-handed. Empty-handed. Ruth is being faithful. Ruth is not settling. Ruth is trusting. Ruth is doing the little things. And through Ruth, Naomi is being blessed. Naomi is being fooled back up. You know, your faithfulness isn't just about you. It's about your family. It's about your friends. It's about your loved ones. It's about people in your life. Faithfulness isn't just about you. So then we go to Ruth 4, 13 through 15. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. So now, you know, things have have accelerated when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, this, when Naomi first came on the scene, they're, they're dogging her. They're saying, girl, you look rough. You look, you look nasty. You look pitiful. And now look at what is happening. They're saying, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew or he will fill your life back up, one could say, and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better than seven sons. I want you to catch this. Man, I'm not diminishing loss. I'm not saying that it's not hurtful. It's not painful. Me and my wife recently have experienced grief and and it is tough, but she lost three people in her life and they say, God has blessed you with a daughter who is better than seven sons. God will always give back more than he takes away. I want somebody, maybe you're walking through something tough today where you've lost. God will provide in that. God will fill you back up. God will take away the emptiness. And then in this, it says, Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. And I want to show you this. This is really cool. It's a lineage of this family and, and what happens. It says he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And then there's a lot of time that takes place, but eventually we get to the father of Solomon. And then we get to Jacob, who was the father of Joseph the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother to Jesus, who is the Messiah. Out of Naomi's brokenness, God brought wholeness and healing and peace and restoration and all this goodness. He brought fullness. Where Naomi was empty, through Ruth and through Boaz, out of Naomi's brokenness, God brought wholeness and healing through Jesus Christ. But it didn't make sense. Naomi leaves Bethlehem, goes to Moab. She loses her sons. Ruth decides to go back. Ruth meets Boaz. Boaz and Ruth get together. They have a child. There's all this stuff that's taking place that doesn't make sense to bring about a Savior to bring about blessing and peace and wholeness. I want you to get this more than anything. Sometimes when it doesn't make sense, it's gonna take a little while for it to make sense. You have to stay faithful when it doesn't make sense. This is what God did for me when it didn't make sense. There's a, a picture I want them to put up there and it's during Harvey. And it's the only picture I could find, but there was a lot of things that didn't make sense. That's me in those khaki shorts and t-shirts, probably the only thing I had to wear. And it was the first day of me spending three days, that's my my parents' road, and we're loading a man's uh, belongings, the only thing that he can get as the floodwaters start coming in. And I spent three days on a boat, 12 to 14 hours a day rescuing people, I knew that area so well because I'd I'd lived there my whole life and my family had lived in that particular neighborhood that myself and, and a buddy of mine named Garrett and one of his friends, we were leading the Coast Guard. We were leading Texas Parks and Wildlife. We were leading sheriffs from different counties, different states. We rescued hundreds and hundreds of people as the floodwaters came in. And you know what got me there? is before that, the church that I'm serving at now, Parkway Life, it was a shelter for people that had been displaced and we we thought we would be okay and the floodwaters came and rushed us out of there and we had to relocate and we couldn't be a shelter anymore and so I said, "You, you know what? It's just my personality. I'm not trying to be up here and like, hey, look at me. I just have to go and help people. I just have to go and minister to people. It's just the way that I'm wired And I said, well, our church is not doing anything anymore. I'm gonna go do something. And me and my buddy Garrett got in a boat and we rescued people for three days and I would go home every night. And there got to a point where the route for me to get to that place, the water flooded the highway and I couldn't get to there. And so I got flushed out of my church. I got flushed out of the neighborhood where I was rescuing people. And I'm saying, God, this doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm trying to help people. I'm trying to bless people. I'm trying to minister to people in a crisis. And to know the backstory of this and to share it with you, I was at a church for 17 years that I poured my blood, sweat, and tears into. And when I say that, I mean that. That's not a cliche saying. I gave my blood, my sweat, and my tears to a place in Beaumont for 17 years. There was a a pastor that came into that place and he hurt me very deeply. And I walked away from church, I walked away from God, I, I turned my back and I went the wrong direction. And I was very bitter, I was very angry. And I vowed I wouldn't do what I'm doing right now. I wouldn't share the gospel. I wouldn't get up here and try to encourage people and, and break down the Bible and, and do these things because I was hurt. I was bitter. It didn't make sense. But you know what? All that stuff led me to meet your pastor and your pastor's wife and a bunch of other beautiful people. And I was sitting in my home and I looked at my wife and I said, I can't go to my church. I can't go to this neighborhood. I've gotta go somewhere. And I went back to the church that hurt me. I went back to the people that hurt me. I went back to the, the, the start of my bitterness. And I said, you know what, God, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense at all. I'm still bitter, I'm still angry. I'm still dealing with this stuff. I, I, I don't know why, God. And it was all these things that led up to it. And would you know, I wish I had a picture of him. I tried to call him earlier this week and uh, I couldn't get in touch with him, but recently I met with him. And during Harvey, I met with that pastor who had hurt me so bad, who had made me bitter, who had made me confused, who had made me empty, who had made me all these things. And he and I reconciled during Harvey and we, we worked hand in hand to minister to people and to bless people. And I'm telling you right now, I can say I love that man today. I wouldn't speak an ill word of him. I'm not bitter. I'm not broken. I am better because of it. And I wanna to talk to somebody today who went out full but you had something that caused you to be empty. You didn't get the job you thought you were gonna get. You can't conceive. You're still not married. You're struggling. You're battling depression, addiction. You didn't get what you prayed for a thousand times. Maybe you're stuck in Moab when God wants to bless you In Bethlehem. Would you stand with me? If you're going the wrong direction because of confusion, because of emptiness, because of brokenness, turn to God today. Turn your back towards Him and let Him redeem your loss, your hurts your pain because God is El Shaddai. He is exactly what you need when you need him. He's a comforter if you're in pain. He's strength when you're weak. He's a healer when you're sick. He's joy when you have no joy. He is an ever present help in time of trouble. So if you started out full, but now you're empty, as they begin to sing in just a moment, I'd love for you to just lift your hands to the sky because I want to give you this last thing, this last point, when God is all you have, you realize that God is all you need. He is the one who can fill you back up in your emptiness, in your brokenness. He is enough. Don't stay stuck in bitterness today when God wants to bless you.